So let me ask you this. Have you ever been camping and you're making s'mores and you get that marshmallow into the fire and, you're, and you found that perfect little red glowing coal? Do you know what I'm talking about? And you're roasting that marshmallow and it's just turning beautifully toasty brown. And then somebody distracts you and you look away for a moment and you look back in your marshmallow and it has ignited on fire. Has that ever happened to you? Okay. What do you do? You snatch that thing out of the fire, don't you? And you blow the flame out because you're hoping you can save that marshmallow before it turns all black and crusty, right? Isn't that just, that's exactly what we do. And I'm just curious to know how many of you, if it turns black and crusty, how many of you eat the charred marshmallow? Okay. How many of you waste the marshmallow and start all over? All right. Okay. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. Well, I want to ask you a question this morning. What do we do when a human being falls into the fire? What do we do when a human being falls into the fire? What do you do when a friend or a family member is making really foolish choices and the consequences are leading to catastrophe? Obviously, I'm using fire as a metaphor here, right? But it's somebody you know that their, their behavior is leading to ca- catastrophic consequences, Or what do you do when somebody that you know has been following Jesus and they become distracted, just like the marshmallow thing, and they become distracted by the world and you see them wandering away from their faith? What do you do when you become deeply concerned about somebody's eternal destiny if they don't change course? What do you do when somebody falls into the fire? Well, today, Jude is going to give us some very direct advice for how to help people who are dipping their toes in the fire. But before we get to Jude today, I'm going to take you to an Old Testament story in the book of Zechariah. And this is a book that I bet most of us haven't read very often. We're going to go to Zechariah chapter 3. And, and it's very interesting because the verses we're going to study in Jude today actually point to Zechariah chapter 3. And this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to see what Satan does in people's lives. We're going to see what God does in people's lives. And then we're going to see how Jude invites us to be on mission with God. We can partner with God. So if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn to Zechariah chapter 3. Uh, The verses will also be up on the screen if you want to follow along. And if you haven't picked up note cards, uh, they're right up here if you want to follow along in your notes. Lots of ways to do that. We're going to start reading right at the beginning of Zechariah chapter 3. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am so ready. All right, thank you. Here's what we read. Then the angel showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Joshua. Now we're going to read more of the chapter, but let me just stop right here and set this up for you so you can visualize what's happening. Zechariah the prophet is speaking, and he's seeing a vision, and there's three people in his vision. So uh, imagine that I am Zechariah the prophet, and there's three people in this vision. Uh, one is the angel of the Lord, and I want you to imagine that this table is the angel of the Lord. And it says, 
that Joshua the high priest is standing in the presence of the angel of the Lord. Imagine this chair is Joshua. And standing at the angel's right hand is Satan, the accuser. And Zechariah is looking at this this scene, and he hears Satan making accusations against Joshua, the high priest of the nation of Judah. Now, it's interesting because the word Satan in the Hebrew language literally means accuse. So Satan is doing what Satan does. He's accusing Joshua. And uh, it's very interesting for us to see this because um, accusing is Satan's mission. Did you know that? Accusing is Satan's mission. Satan's mission is to take as many people to hell with him as he possibly can. And he tries to do that by reminding God of all the wrong things that people have done. And this is what Satan is doing to Joshua, the high priest. And we're going to keep reading here in verse 2. The Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusation, Satan. And let me just press pause right there. Because now we see something that's fascinating. Now the Lord is speaking. And and what we see is, as we keep reading, you're going to see that the angel is speaking on behalf of the Lord. And and what theologians believe is any time there is a human or an angelic manifestation of the Lord in the Old Testament, we know that, that God is eternal. There's no beginning, no end. Jesus is part of the Trinity. And what theologians believe is that any time the Lord manifests in, in, in material form in the Old Testament, that's actually Jesus speaking. So this is very beautiful because God is speaking and he's appeared to Zechariah and he speaks to the accuser Satan and he says, I reject your accusation, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. And then referring to Joshua, he says, this man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. You see, Joshua and the people that he led had been in the fire of God's judgment for 70 years. 70 years of judgment. And it was a time of suffering, a time of sorrow, a time of deep remorse for the Jewish nation. But God was beginning the process of snatching these people from the fire. So although Satan's mission is accusing, this is beautiful. Do you know what God's mission is? It's mercy. Mercy is God's mission. Let's keep reading in Zechariah. Zechariah describes Joshua's clothing. He says Joshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the angel. And it's interesting because the Hebrew word for filthy is a word that literally means excrement. It's the strongest word in the Bible for anything that's vile and loathsome. Joshua's clothing was covered with excrement. And that was a metaphor 
for the sin of not just Joshua, but all the people that Joshua lived, that, that he led. These people were covered in the filth of sin. And I want to ask you this question. Have you ever felt filthy? Have you ever been at the point in your life where you're scraping bottom? Or do you know somebody who is? Today, um, I want you to hear a story of a connector by the name of Juan Carlos. Juan's been with Connect for a number of years, and uh, he works with a ministry in Mexico that's led by Art and Brenda Kunes. Many of you know Juan Carlos. And uh, in the winter months, they're all in Mexico uh, reaching out to people that need to reconnect with God. And in the summer months, they, they farm here in the Gallatin Valley. And Juan Carlos is a wonderful guy. And uh, I caught up with him this week while he was harvesting down in Gallatin Gateway. And I asked him to share his story with us. And uh, we're going to see this story in segments today. But I want to start with uh, Juan Carlos's story in which he describes a time in his life when he felt really filthy. Take a listen. Well, my life before to get to know Jesus was really, really, really messy. I used to be in drugs and alcohol. I used to be, um, how you can call it, like a social drug addict. I was hiding from the rest of the people. It's just a small group of people knew how dirty I was because I used to just go and hide to do drugs, alcohol, and I don't know, all sorts of things. I was trying to make myself happy with all, with alcohol, drugs, and and by trying to buy in friends because I used to I used to work and use all my money just to go and buy drugs, buy alcohol so that I can invite some some other people that they only approach me because at that time I have something to offer to them. But I remember many times when I was running out of money, no more drugs, no more alcohol, everybody flee away from me. It's amazing because the Lord take care of me even before that I knew him personally. I remember when I moved from Guaymas, the city that I live now, I moved to a different city because I was getting deeper and deeper. At that point, I started using methamphetamine, uh, crystal meth. So I couldn't, I couldn't live anymore in my own town because I was getting dirtier, deeper and deeper. So I moved to a different city. One of the things uh, that I remember really clear, and actually it's how the Lord put clear later on in my life, that he was leading me to that way. I met this guy who used to work in a restaurant. He was a waiter, I was a waiter. He wasn't a believer. But I remember that we used to have long conversations about this Christian girl that he was in love. So I asked him several times if he was Christian, if he knew something about Christianity. At that time, he seemed kind of embarrassed. Like, no, 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 I'm not Christian. He wasn't in drugs or alcohol, neither. But he's like, no, I'm going to the church sometimes because she's there. So then I'm going to see her. So so then we changed jobs. He went to another job. I went to another job. And one year and a half after that I met him, I, I, I saw him again. And I asked him, how are you? And he's like, I'm wonderful. He said, finally, I'm married. I married this Christian girl. I'm now a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And when he starts saying that, I'm like, good for you. 
but I don't want to know anything. I didn't say that, but I was just like, good for you. See you later, right? So, right into that process is when I was like getting more felt and more dirty. So, my triangle of life at that point was just go to work, buy drugs, and, and come back to my trailer to use drugs. I used to be awake like two or three days in a row because that's what that's producing you. And sometimes I have a few marks in my legs that, because I fell asleep uh, smoking Christ, Christ and met. During that time, the first thing I used to do when I wake up, it was to smoke my pipe. That was my breakfast. So we're gonna hear more of Juan Carlos's story in just a couple of minutes, but uh, let's go back to Zechariah chapter four. Here's what we read in verse four. So the angel said to the others standing there, take off his filthy clothes. Talking about Joshua. Take off his filthy clothes. And then turning to Joshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sins. And now I'm giving you these fine new clothes. You see, God takes away the sins of his people. I, I just love this. And when he says that he gives Joshua these fine new clothes, what he's talking about is these are garments for a special occasion. These aren't just clean clothes that are similar to what Joshua was wearing, but in the Hebrew language, these are like clothes you'd wear to a wedding or some sort of formal party. He takes off the clothes that Joshua was wearing full of excrement and he clothes him in something beautiful. Do you know that the New Testament tells us that when we come to Christ, he not only washes us clean, but he clothes us in Christ's righteousness. You see, mercy is God's mission. And I don't know if you've completely perceived this before, but God does more than just forgive your sins. He actually clothes you in righteousness. He makes you something beautiful. Does anybody else just like, I mean, that just makes me all tingly all over. Mercy is God's mission. I'm going to jump down now to verse 8 in Zechariah 3. And God is speaking again, and he says, Listen to me, O Joshua the high priest, and all you other priests. You are symbols of things to come. And this is where we realize this is a prophetic vision that Zechariah is having. You are symbols of things to come, and soon I'm going to bring my servant, the branch. And we know now, as New Testament believers, that the branch is referring to the branch of, of David, that it's the, the Messiah, Jesus. And he's saying, soon I'm going to bring my servant, the branch, and I will remove the sins of this land in a single day. What a wonderful promise that, that God makes to Zechariah and to Joshua. Zechariah didn't know what we know. We know the rest of the story that Jesus did in a single day what nobody else could do, that Jesus in a single day took care of the entire sin problem. But what Zechariah wants us to know is that mercy is God's mission. 
So I want to ask you today, do you know somebody who needs mercy? Is there somebody in your life like Juan Carlos who is looking desperately for mercy? So one day I quit my job without sense. In my illusion, I thought I could do my own business or whatever, but the only thing I wanted is to have full time for my drug. So pretty soon that led me to the point that I was without job, without house, and I saw myself living on the street and staying in an abandoned car. I, I did that for like a couple months, three months. During that process is when I, I believe that I reached the bottom of the hole because I had no money. I was living outside of John Yard in this abandoned car and just waiting for somebody to buy me something, begging for, for a little bit of mercy in that time, you know? To me, mercy at that time was like, give me some of a little bit of drugs, you know? I didn't know any, anything better, but I knew, I knew something inside of me was telling me that I want something different. And Juan Carlos didn't know it at that time. He was looking for mercy from a human being in the form of a drug, but he didn't know that mercy is God's mission. Mercy is God's mission. Now I want to take you back to the book of Jude that we've been studying for the last five weeks. And I want to read these two verses to you. Here's how Jude reminds us that we're called to be on the mercy mission with God. Verse 22, he says, Have mercy on those who doubt. And then he echoes Zechariah in verse 23. He says, save others by snatching them out of the fire. And to others, show mercy with fear, even hating the garment that's stained by the flesh. I just want to read those two verses one more time. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fear, out of the fire. And to others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. Hating that old excrement-covered life, but showing mercy to people that need to be snatched from the fire. Here's what I think Jude is saying to us in one simple s- sentence. God invites us to be on mission with him. God invites us to be on mission with him. You see, mercy is God's mission. And mercy is my mission too. Do you get it? Mercy is God's mission, but mercy is my mission too. In fact, would you just turn to your neighbor and say, mercy is my mission? Some of us have a hard time with that. Some of us look at people who are burning their toes in the fire and we have a hard time with mercy. Some of us think they're going to get what they deserve. But mercy is God's mission and he invites us to be on the mission with him. We read verses all through the New Testament about the mission. One of my favorites is 2 Corinthians 5.20 that says, we are Christ's ambassadors. 
And God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. If we're on mission with God, we are reaching out to people and we're saying, come back to God. I speak for Jesus when I say, come back to God. Be reconnected to God. Come on. God has mercy for your situation. Come on back. And this is the mission that God has called us to. And now I want you to hear how people on the mercy mission with God helped Juan Carlos reconnect to God. And this segment is about seven minutes long, so you're going to be watching a video for a little while, but just sit back, enjoy his story, and think about being on the mission and and pay attention to the people who helped Juan Carlos reconnect to God. A little bit before on this point, I met this family. And when I was working with this American guy, I met this family that was... uh, uh, a young couple with three kids, and they're traveling right there. They're from the United States. At the end of the trip, this young fella to- told me, my family and I, we saw something different in you. I would want to invite you to church. At that time, I was really busy because I want to get done quick because I want to go buy drugs and smoke. So what ended up happening, they took me to the church, and that was the first time I had to translate for somebody. There's family ended being a missionary. The, four years ago, this guy decided to reconnect his life with Jesus Christ. And then he started doing mission trips to this place, Rocky Point, with his family. Four years after that, which was that day, he decided to get baptized with his Mexican family, with his Mexican brothers. So I remember standing there. I believe that that was the first experience with the Holy Spirit. Because I was standing there and they're doing the ceremony. I was there and I started crying like a baby. And I was just thinking to myself, stop, Juan Carlos. They're gonna think you're weak or you're weird or what? So, but I couldn't stop. And he walks in the morning the first day and he comes with a Bible. And he said, my family and I, we've been praying for this Bible and for the people that's gonna receive it. So we know that your life is gonna be different from now on. When he say that, I was like, oh, Thank you. Sure, thank you. Thank you. And then I took my Bible and I took, but that day something, something happened. Because when I went and I just took that taxi cab to go and buy more drugs, that was the first time that I feel guiltiness. From that day on, every day, every day I was on my way to buy drugs, I was feeling something that was telling me this is wrong until the point that was really painful, really painful. I remember one day I found some of, some of the other drug addicts lost like 300 pesos. I found them and I was on my way to buy more drugs, but I was crying. I was crying, I was saying, why I can't stop? I was looking at myself, it was one of those moments of light that you, in reality, I was looking at myself as, you know, as like completely dirty, long hair, I looked like a crazy bomb guy and it's like I couldn't understand how I get there. I couldn't understand. I just just like I said what my family will think if they saw me like this. Anyway, I found this guy, he was stuck on the sand, I helped him and he asked me if he I knew where we can buy drugs. So we ended up going by and I took him to a place that he 
we can smoke, we can smoke. So at that time, he asked me in the middle of the conversation, you know, he said, you don't belong to this place. You need to get out of here, this hole. That, when he said that was like, boom, hit me right on my head. Right there, we went to a grocery store because he needs to buy more groceries for the boat. And that moment, I wait for him outside the grocery store for my condition, of course. When I was outside, somebody started in a car, started like, hang, hang, horning, and called me. And when I recognized the guy, it was the same guy that was working as a waiter that married this Christian girl. He looked at me, and I was so embarrassing, and, and he invited me to jump into the car. So I finally got in, and like, the first thing that he asked, what happened to you? When he saw me, I was kind of getting better jobs and stuff like that, and now I was bummed, you know? I was, um, and I start crying and say, I don't know. I'm in a deep cold, and I don't know how, I'm, I don't know how I'll get out of this hole. At that moment, he said, I know who's gonna help you. I know who's gonna help you. I know Jesus is gonna help you. Can I pray for you? I said, of course. He started praying, I remember, I started crying and experience a peace that I didn't experience before. So that was during Christmas time, I remember that time. I spent three days just crying, holding into the Bible. I never opened the Bible, I gotta be honest, but holding into the Bible, something told me inside. That was my hope. And Christmas day was my birthday. And because what I did those two days was just basically lay in bed, cry, Asking God if you're there, if you exist, help me. I really want to have family. Anyway, I didn't know how to pray, but I was crying out with my heart. So next day, and Christmas day, I called my mom because I know that she will be really worried. And she's like, where you been? I've been looking for you. If you want to make something with your life, get out of that place. And at that time, I knew uh, 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 lady, that she was in drugs too, and I thought that was my ticket to get out to a new life, right? And she told me, I don't like that woman, but if you think you can change, get out of the hole. So I started crying right there because I felt in my heart God was responding, take me out of the hole. So I, what I did, I chose to, I picked the little bit of clothes that I have, went buy some presents, and I left from there to Hermosillo, which is one hour away from where I live now. When I get there to this lady's place, her mom was a Christian. So she invited me, uh, and I st I, that was the first time that I spent New Year's Eve in a Christian church. I knew when I get there, and after the first day, I knew that it was my place, the place that I belong. Anyway, I didn't pay attention. 15 days after that, I realized that I didn't use any drug, and I don't need any medicine, any rehabilitations, anything. So I knew how powerful and how good is God. Here's the point that I want to make. Did you hear all of the people who helped Juan Carlos reconnect to God? The missionary couple that gave him a Bible. And the waiter who married a Christian girl that prayed with him. And then the mother of the drug-addicted woman that invited him to church. 
Each one of them played a part in helping one experience the grace and the mercy of God. James 5 says this, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Do you know that you have that kind of influence? That when you pray with someone, when you give a Bible away, when you invite somebody to church, when you just play a, maybe even a small part in helping somebody reconnect to God, you are helping someone cover a multitude of sins. I, I just think that's so powerful. That's our call. That's our privilege. And this is how we take a sad song and make it better. By joining God on his mission. Now, listen to the end of Juan Carlos's story because he's been snatched from the fire. It's really hard to describe the mercy of God in my life. Really hard. Because I, I don't have words to describe the mercy. I was so felt to so dirty in my past that I never thought I would desert a woman, a wife like I have now. I, I didn't consider myself clean enough. But he cleans me. Not just cleans me, he gave me a beautiful, wonderful wife. And with that comes two, two beautiful kids that I have, my daughter and my son. And he's been blessing me in so many ways, allowing me to be his ministry. I couldn't understand that in the beginning, like, because I used to think I used to be so this garbage, you know, and now you're so merciful that you just don't cleanse me, just and you allow me to serve, to proclaim your name. I don't deserve that privilege on my main role over there is just being an evangelist. When we take the, some of the teams go here and we go and we share the gospel in the streets, we take teams to the mountains and that's the part that I enjoy the most when I'm able to share the gospel. So I will say that my main role is being evangelist. He allowed me to learn so many things in his mercy that I never thought I could learn. You know, when you have the opportunity to relate with other brothers, believers, engineers, carpenters, um, lawyers and stuff like that. and. I understand that he allowed me to know every single person because he's going to teach me something through that person because I'm going to need that for his glory some, 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 some place along the road. So that's a blessing. It's just so awesome to be invited to join God on his mercy mission. So why don't we share Jesus more often? Why don't we do it more often? Maybe we're afraid of rejection. Maybe we've been convinced from our upbringing that you're not supposed to talk about religion or politics. Maybe you don't want to impose your beliefs on someone else. Maybe you just don't feel like you've got the tools. Maybe you just don't feel like you know enough. A lot of people say that to me. One of the things that's really powerful to me about Juan Carlos's story is that there were a number of people that all played a part. You know, it wasn't one person that led Juan Carlos back to God. It was, it was numerous people. 
just playing a little part. What if any one of those people hadn't done what God called them to do? What if those missionaries hadn't given him a Bible? What if the waiter didn't pray with him? What if that mother of the drug-addicted girl didn't invite him to church? But because they were obedient and they were with Jesus on the mercy mission, Juan Carlos is a transformed person and he's leading other people to reconnect to God. Who do you know that needs God's mercy today? I imagine for every one of us, we're visualizing somebody. Who's burning their toes in the fire? Who can you snatch from the fire like a burning stick before they're dragged into hell? What's your mission? Mercy is our mission. Don't hesitate. Listen to Jude and become a partner with God for his mission.
and pick up the crippled man father we will leave them home father we will leave them home let's pray Father, I think we've heard the call really clearly today. You're calling us to join you on this mercy mission. You're calling us to see these people that are singeing their toes in the fire and you're calling us to snatch them from the fire. And God, for every one of us, Lord, that today is hearing somebody's name in our ears or visualizing someone's pain and suffering in our minds. Lord, we just ask you, God, to give us the opportunities to pray with them, to share our story with them, to invite them to church or to a connection group, to give them a Bible or something else to read that would help. Lord, just help us to reach out in simple ways, and play a part, Lord, so that we can see more and more people reconnected to God instead of hurling headlong into the fire. God, thank you for Juan Carlos' story. And Lord, help us to write many, many more stories like his as we reach out with mercy and with the love of Jesus. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.